What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is uh, Mr. Martin Whitfoot. This is actually the second part of our two-part chat. Uh, we we talked for a long time. I feel like I'm going to have to get him back on and talk to him for another couple hours. I feel like we still had a bunch to talk about. But um, GarageBand was taking a shit on me, and I needed to save and turn it off before it froze. And I lost a two-hour interview. Um so it, it was a great chat. Uh, he he and I, I think, are a, a lot of like. I actually tried to challenge him a little bit, which you know, not like challenge in any way, but like uh, point out uh, like flip sides of coins. I think that was uh, uh, something that I do a lot, I guess. But I tried to do that here, and he did the same for me, which is is great. Um, so we, we looked at, a, a, and, and that's what it takes, right? Like you got to kind of look at things from multiple perspectives to get a real clear view, like an objective view on any scenario. And we talk, you know, we talk about, uh, ideology and sort of, um, fanaticism and how those things affect a culture, how once you have uh, like a set sort of beliefs, how it, or, you know, a, a bunch of factors can lead into, um, a sort of narrow pathway, a, a narrow view on uh, reality sometimes. We get into that, uh, which um, is certain to offend some people. Uh, so pre-apologies for that if I make you not feel good or if uh, any of your beliefs are questioned. But that's the nature of the show. We question everything, even our own beliefs, our own existence. We question everything, all right? Um, so... Let's jump right into this thing and uh, get into the second part. We've already called Martin, so we don't need to call him again. But we're just going to jump right into the second part of this episode. If uh, if you haven't heard the first part, jump back and go listen to 157 first and then listen to this one. All right, so uh, thanks to our sponsors, Soho Design House. You can follow them at S-O-H-O-D-H on Instagram. That can be their website, or you can go to SohoDesignHouse.com, and it brings you to S-O-H-O-D-H.com as well. Uh, if you're in the L.A. area, you could see their showroom at 6912 Melrose Avenue. They're making these really cool artistic rugs, um, which I, I want to come up with a name for them that it's like it's an art piece. It's, not a, it's, like, a, it's like a rug painting. It's a ta- obviously, it's a tapestry, I guess. It's a, it's a, it's a weaving Anyway, so they're offering these opportunities for artists and collectors and people to get artwork in this new, well, obviously very old um, medium, but in being utilized in a new way. Uh, So you could take your paintings, your illustrations, or the work of your favorite artist. Maybe you could work with somebody and get a piece of art produced, all handmade, you can see actually the entire process that they go through to make the rugs uh, at SohoDesignHouse.com. And you can get all the information that you need from them over there as well as to how to go about doing this. Um, I just saw they had a piece from Anthony Bennett on their Instagram that is really dope. And then uh, I think about a week ago they posted something about Fernando um, Camarelli, a Brazilian artist made a rad piece as well. So go check them out on Instagram. Give them a follow. Uh, tell them the podcast sent you. And you can get an idea of some of the stuff that they're doing. And maybe it'll spark an interest and you'll uh, be making some rugs soon. I think it's a good idea. I need to make one soon. Wink, wink. All right. Uh, let's, uh, like I said, jump right into this episode. Um, you can follow us at the at the podcast, at Live Free Podcast on all the social medias. If you want to check out my stuff, check out Mike Maxwell Art again on all the social medias and follow producer lex over on the twitters at producer lex we love you and uh we will talk to you soon all right yeah no, no for sure well but but yeah, on that point like i think that um i guess this is where i stand but i stand on it pretty firmly on this ground which is that you know so let's say there's, there's a work of satire. So I would say like Charlie Hebdo was not, was could very well be classified just as work of satire. It's not just out to offend. It's out to say like, because it, it, 
so many people sort of glommed on this onto this idea that Charlie Hebdo was somehow just inherently offensive and specifically targeting uh, Islam yeah. or Muslims or whatever. Right. Right? And and if you actually look at like what Charlie Hebdo were, they were constantly mocking every 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 ideology that we could all not all, but like generally most people can kind of agree like. Yeah, these these are just dummy ideas that have just uh, been passed on generation after generation. Like, like this is something that I that I never really get how people can get so wrapped up in, let's say, a certain religion is is they happen to be born on some continent in some country, and it just so happens that oh wow, now you're a Southern Baptist because you grew up or you you were born in Arkansas. Like, hey, what about like like just for a second think? What if you had happened to be born? In India, it's very likely you wouldn't be a Southern Baptist. Yeah, just it's just the same. It doesn't matter like where you happen to be born. Like somehow, it it just eludes people's sort of cognition or that their their rationalizing of this kind of idea, which is that no, just you you're just raised in a community and you take on the ideas, the values, and the opinions of that community, right? Which is that's why I think that. You could even look at pride the same way. Oh, for sure. Yeah, patriotism. Like, like same as, like, I always found this so ridiculous, man. Like, I've never been one for, like, team sports. Like, I, I think team sports are so ridiculous. Like, I, I'll enjoy a game here and there or whatever, but, but never with the idea of, like, somehow that this team that let's, – so, so I grew up uh, – part of my life I grew up in Toronto, up in Canada, right? Uh-huh. And for them, for Canadians, because they're such a young country – and I'm not mocking Canada here, but I just think that it's kind of funny because – Canada kind of defines themselves by love for hockey and love for beer. Like that's beyond that. It's like, you don't really have any monuments. You can't really say like, they don't have anything resembling like, like any European old structure, anything, right? Like you, you can't go by the fine ancient tradition of like crafting a great <laughs> wine or something. Cause yeah, you don't have much exist, history right. to go on. Right. So at the end of the day, hockey becomes super important for for people there to a large degree. So what about so maple remember, syrup? Yeah, I guess yeah. <laughs> well, on that topic, so <laughs> so Toronto's Toronto's hockey team is called the Maple Leafs, right? right. So so uh, so I just remember this being so fucked up and funny. But like the playoffs would happen, and God forbid they're getting close to getting the Stanley Cup. And I remember there'd be there'd be like instances you'd hear about where like. Like let's say like it's Toronto playing Ottawa, so Ottawa is five hours away, the capital of Canada. There, there's no difference between the populations at all. They're Canadians, Canadians, whatever. But God forbid somebody would wear like a senator's an Ottawa senator's jersey during playoffs in Toronto, they'd get their asses kicked just yeah. just because they happen to be representing like this team that is just hours away by driving, right? Again, uh, violence and, violence for no particular reason. For no, for no particular reason other than just tribalism. It's like tribalism at the dumbest, dumbest level. But but what's funny when you start looking at it is like Toronto Maple Leafs, I don't know if it's still the case. I don't follow hockey at all. But, dude, for so long, their fucking captain was Swedish, Matt Sundin. He was straight from Sweden. Like he never spent any time in Canada <laughs> before getting drafted to play for them. So yeah. it's like somehow it's like. Now Matt Sundin now somehow represents represents Toronto, He's but then the when team. when it comes to like that the world, uh, when, it's not the World Cup. What the fuck do they play for? It's like World Championships in hockey. He flies back to Sweden to play for Sweden because he's Swedish. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So point point of that is just this is like look like that's just it's it's not really any different in a weird way from like somebody happening to be born in Salt Lake City, Utah, and lo and behold they're Mormon and and and. They hold the values. They hold the values, but also this like weird historical archive that somehow their history is true, and hence their future is also true. That they're chosen somehow when it's really like Joseph Smith. If you if you read anything about the guy, like he's a con man. He's a clear con man. Same as uh, L. Ron Hubbard inventing Scientology. It's like clear Id- idiocy. Like this is idiocracy in in the making. And and that all said, like that's why I'm saying that then criticizing something that just happens to be a bit older like something like islam somehow is a taboo thing because that ideology is shared primarily by people who yes we're bombing the shit out of and we've gone into their countries for no particularly good reason other than to make a lot of people not a lot of people in fact very few people a lot of money over here so so it's just that that where people get into this weird kind of 
thought loop that's fucked up is that somehow they 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 give a free pass to some extremely destructive uh, ideologies that lo and behold when we interact with those ideologies or or, or rather those those uh, places that happen to have these ideologies yeah you know what it's going to spill over in the form of terrorism now showing up in the west you know it's it's not unrelated to one another it's not just just that that uh like the idea of having like a war on terror, for instance, is the same as the war on drugs. You, you have a war on an idea. The idea is not going anywhere. It's like, and you have to look at, well, why is it that we've just like stirred up a hornet's nest? And why is there such a thing as ISIS now rearing its head and like, uh, you know, publishing videos of, of people getting burned alive and all this other shit? Well, it's because that ideology facilitates that kind of terrible behavior, Right. But also our involvement over there now invites that into our society. So as I, as I would not say, like, I don't think there is such a thing as like just showing up uh, in some country that has a, a certain religious structure and saying, we have it better. We have a better idea. Like, who knows? I mean, it, to my mind, it's better, but I guess it's better because I've, I've grown up in a certain way and I appreciate my freedom and my freedom of thought and my freedom of everything like I'm, I'm a sucker for liberty in in the truest sense of the word right whereas but i don't think that the solution is just to show up in a fucking other country that happens to have this religious value structure and say no no you know what we're going to come and give you democracy it's not, no what that does is invite the kind of problem we have now which is just the more globalized we're getting man also the the destructive like the sheer destructive and See, it's a double-edged sword it's yeah, a double-edged yeah, sword yeah, wanting to be all yeah. one right but even it's funny i watched this thing this morning somebody posted in my timeline of a experiment they did they set up a series of mirrors out mm. it must have been in south well it must have been an african jungle somewhere uh because there was gorillas and leopards and shit and okay. <clears throat> all of the gorillas that encountered the mirror all wanted to fight okay no matter what and a lot of the the chimps were a little iffy the jaguar right. was like growl tapped at it a couple of times yeah, right. the dumbass bird ran into it because it just thought it was more forest <laughs> right. but it kind of shows like there we have in the it's in our ancestry right like you, you, you mean look, you mean violence like the the, the reactions yeah. that that we can have and then even further on the you know back to the main, the point that you were talking about like it seems i think what it boils down to is that there's this idea that somebody who is an oppressed uh person or culture is beyond criticism and that right has right. a whole series of problems inherent with it that don't yep. address the um the issue of oppression at all right and uh, i totally agree and, and and that's that's the whole thing is that that's the tragic thing that we are faced with when it comes to something like they're being very eloquent very articulate and very well thought out and researched kind of people out there such as sam harris because i would say like sam harris he he he's saying like look it's not it's not just that like like events like 9-11 or any other uh, terrorist attack that's happened that that that's the reason to now take note i mean the the reason to take note often is is to look at like the ideology such as islam is putting a huge part of the population in a prison in a thought prison in a kind of mental prison which is to say that no half your population can't go anywhere without a chaperone or half your population isn't allowed to learn on on pain of death or having acid thrown in their faces and stuff like like these are horrific things to hear because because at the end of the day this and again maybe this is just an, uh, like a ideological standpoint like my own standpoint on this but i feel like it's shared by a lot of other people which is to say that no if you have if, if you just have the freedom to choose your own path then if you arrive back at that if you arrive at uh, a mosque you know, if that's if that is where you go after after having the the choice to look elsewhere, then by all means, like fucking a. But but if you're just forced into that scenario and and throughout from cradle to grave, you have no escape. Like like that that uh, 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 you know, 
like a sin punishable by death in Islam, for instance, is, is apostasy, which is just simply leaving Islam. Wanting to leave your religion is punishable by death, right? Yeah. So I just think that, that, that who suffers more from that? It's, yeah, we suffer when, it, when Charlie Hebdo happens or when a bus blows up in London or a towers fall in New York, for sure. But the people that, that are suffering the most and have been suffering for the longest amount of time and will keep suffering – are the ones that are just they're, they're prisoners to a certain thought pattern that that is no, no different from like this weird genetic virus that just keeps facilitating itself like like it's it's the same as what, like like kind of when you think of like a big corporation and when people want to like see a corporation let's say like like fall because they see that it's 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 just it just operates like uh, an insectile hive like there really isn't a humanity behind it well who do you go after because if if the ceo all of a sudden goes down to peru drinks ayahuasca comes back and goes all right i'm the ceo of mcdonald's and i feel like we should stop slaughtering animals in the way that we have let's <laughs> totally change this we're going to make this a vegetarian joint yeah, all across no the way. world that ceo would be fired the, yeah. the instant he opened his mouth to say these things, right? Yeah. And then he'd just be replaced by another queen bee. And then another one, and another one. Like, the point, point of it being that, like, like the, the, it's just that it's a systematic problem. It's not that it's the individual. Like, same as Sam Harris is like, I'm not going after individuals. I'm not saying those people are stupid or that person is, is somehow evil. He even says uh, many times, it's like, look, the problem is that when you have a certain ideology that believes itself to hold the truth, like the keys to its own paradise, well, you know, it, it's, it's no longer at all that person having any dominion over their own thoughts or their own actions. They're, they're simply acting to the, according to the script of what they've been fed since they were a baby, right? Yeah. So it's just that that's the big tragedy. I, I just think that that, so going back to like a very earlier point in the conversation, I'm just saying that like, What's happened now with the internet, let's say, is what you do see is even even in places where it's it's not sanctioned to it's it's certainly frowned upon, if not actually dangerous, to expand your your viewpoint to say that no, I'm a free person. I'm not a, no longer a slave to anything, not other people, not this ideology I grew up with, whatever. Well, the way that comes about is the internet and people having a conversation, just yeah. like, like 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 let's say like like something like um. You know, I would say like like Rogan's podcast, or it reaches so many fucking people by now. Or somebody like uh, Chris Ryan, like Chris Ryan, who has tangent, uh, tangentially speaking, and wrote Sex at the Dawn and stuff. Like he'll mention often, like at the top of the show, he'll say like, "This is interesting. Like I can actually see the stats of who's listening to me where." And he'll often mention he's like, "This is cool. Like I have people listening to me in places that I wouldn't expect them to listen to me." Because he'll. He'll venture like like just the name of the podcast suggests it, but he'll venture into any topic. Nothing's off limits. I mean, yeah. it's just and that's you know, the and, that's the thing. Free thought, like the the availability of free thought, is yeah. eventually what kills that sort of uh, that oppressive dehydration. It's sort of the right. the hydrator right. of, yeah. Yeah. of of freedom amongst a group to just. And that's something that we're sort of I, – and I don't know if that's inherently American or whatever, but like this idea – like the idea of free freedom of speech or freedom of expression that we have that seems inherent that, you know, some would say God-given, but I think the idea just like the idea of birth that you should, one, be given the freedom to act in such a way that you feel is, is right, and, right and noble right. or whatever, and also offer those same things to other people. Yeah, and that's that's an important point, man. I think that at the end of the day, like, there's a huge emphasis among a lot of people. I think right now, like, like just building on themselves, and they're these islands that they're they're they have X amount of followers to that one island or whatever, blah blah blah, right? But I think at the end of the day, I think that that in my mind, at least, like a, a really a worthwhile thing to start landing on no matter what it is that your output is if it's again in the case of myself is like painting and in the case of other people it can be music podcasting stand-up comedy uh, writing blogging whatever the hell whatever form it takes is like there's that there's that uh 
instinct, I think, in all those pursuits to share. Like, this is a thing where we're, we're all, we're, I, I never feel quite satisfied with, a, with, let's say, finishing a painting until I've had some other eyeballs other than myself look at it. Uh-huh. Even if it just ends up being like, I never even hear any kind of like feedback on it, but I'm like, no, but it's being like, I've, I've just released this thing and it's, it's being, it's being uh, dialogued with other people. It needs you know an I mean? outside perspective to be a thing. Kind of like a weird exactly, physics right. sort of yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. No, no, totally, totally. And, and, and that, that being the case, like, I, I think that that's, that's why I do think we live in this incredibly fertile time right now. Because so much of what's being created by anybody, no matter for, what form it takes, again, it, uh, it's, it can only exist by the input of other people. So let's say like something like podcasting, which you and I are doing right now. Like it's like that art form, if you want to call it, I'm not sure what to call it. If it's, cause it's not exact, it's not a radio show. It's whatever. It's its own thing, but it's, it's dialogues among people. And then often I'll see the podcaster have an idea from a certain conversation. And now it, sparks another conversation with another guest and so on and so forth and what you end up with as a listener is an incredible tapestry of just like oh there's a certain topic that keeps coming up and here's this person's take on it this person's take on it sometimes they disagree sometimes they'll agree but even in their agreement one will often add another layer to that thought and so on and i feel like like the way it's being shared among people now again you don't have to have some crazy access like this is the most democratic thing in the world so long as you have internet access so much of this content is free so much of imagery is now free too it's like like many painters that i know they don't they don't like unless somebody's actually out there like somehow getting uh, their hands on on high res and starting to make prints of people's shit artists very often are like no i want to have my stuff just let's spread it out there it's cool like Mm -hmm. they're only really like in the case of painting yeah there's this one original but even that it's like like it's not some so precious to us to like want to hold on to it. You let it go, you know? And in the act of letting it go, what what you're hoping to do is have it reach people beyond it just being some kind of pretty image or whatever. Like like hopefully some ideas from that will then spark another conversation or whatever. Like or or inspire somebody else to do their own painting based on something that you've revealed in your own work or whatever. Like and I think that in that being the case, I just think I feel super lucky. I feel incredibly lucky for for first of all being born at this time that yeah, I can right. I, I've seen I see the time before the internet too. Like like I do think that there's this kind of again double edged sword kind of thing where like man there's this incredibly powerful tool that we've unleashed onto the world, conjured into the world, whatever term you want to use. And some people, many people, are living their whole lives with it as this ever present thing, and it becomes kind of it becomes just. Uh, a matter of fact, it's like it's every every. I'm sure every high school kid out there, with the exception of very few, have to have an Instagram or Facebook account, and and they probably lose much of their actual interactions that they could have with one another in these kind of virtual interactions, or or putting up the latest selfie and seeing the likes come in or comments come in, right? Whereas why I feel super lucky is having grown up without it, and then once it got unleashed, it's like, dude, we're in we're in a really weird thing now but yeah, i can see I think, how weird it is you i know? think yesterday was the back to the future like future date oh, right. when he okay, arrived yeah. i think yeah yeah yeah. and that's well, exactly the, it <laughs> all right so that date actually came because that's the thing like i've seen like like people had done like like fake ones where it's like there's that clock like i think the clock in the back to the future the future edition uh-huh. had like uh a certain date on it, but somebody fucked around with it even a couple of years ago. And I was like, Oh, I guess the hoverboards never showed up. And that's probably still what people are harping about. No hoverboards. <laughs> no hoverboards. No flying future, cars. They didn't, have fucking, they didn't have any idea about like the iPhone or anything like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. so I, I would just say that like, you know, whatever problems we're still faced with and who knows, man, I think that we're probably faced potentially with something far more troubling than, let's say even the war, the the echoes of the war drums of another war among people. Like I think let's say like something like sea level rise, like, yeah, again, like maybe it's speculation at this point, but I think there are some very smart people out there who have been saying like, no, we're kind of like past the returning points. So and now we just got to kind of see what happens. And probably within our lifetimes, uh, 
some very odd things will probably start happening, right? And then, but I don't think that that's something that necessarily just hits this plateau and then that's it. Like, I think, I think we are possibly faced with a transition into a very, very strange relationship with nature where nature is basically coming in and saying, well, you guys had, you guys had a pretty good shot at this, but it's time to like drop you, drop you down a few notches again. I don't know. Who knows? Cause it, it just, that's just something that, that I feel like the more people are preoccupied with the human drama, the more, um, the more I think we're losing sight of the fact that, you know, with the, with all the human achievements we've made, maybe now is a good time to start returning to a real good symbiosis and balance with the nature that we all spring from. And I think that uh, are, the things that definitely stand in the way of that are for sure, like we said, like ideologies, like religions that are unbendable. They're kind of like, like iron rather than steel. They don't bend at all. They're just either it's a matter of just breaking away from them completely or, or uh, I mean, the, the other, like the, the solution is simply like, it's gonna have to be people just abandoning those ideas altogether. And the same with the structures we have in place right now, where it's like, you know, we're faced with 2016 potentially being Bush versus Clinton. Like, have uh, we heard uh, those two names before in that? Like, but I'm just saying that, like, if that's if that's the leaders of this nation, the the, the greatest superpower in the world, is like, so that's still a completely broken system, you know? Like, so so it's just that so long as people get too wrapped up in that on an individual level, I think they miss the sort of the great theater that's happening right now, which is, no, you as an individual can get more and more informed, more in touch and engage more in the dialogue of like, no, as a collective species, how about it's high time that we fucking stop dwelling on our own minutia and like, and started kind of embracing uh, maybe a return back to a time when it's like, no, you know what? It's, it's actually, pretty it's it, it's it's pretty imaginable and it's pretty realizable to actually live more simply use technology for as a tool for advancing whatever you're working on and connecting you with other people and shit but maybe spending less of your energy less of your time like getting wrapped up in this nonsense that is potentially going to lead to our destruction if we don't actually start waking up soon you know what i'm saying i i you know how i've been looking at it lately especially today after like i i think that both the earth and all of its dwellings are all like the gorillas looking at itself in the mirror yeah yeah. like yeah. And, and it's the same thing like we're just earth like we're no different than earth but this idea of you know we've always been at war with nature this idea that this is something new is is kind of comical to me and you've seen it's like it's an ebb and flow. There's a balance yeah. that happens from the get go. And we see it, you know, just in the way creatures come and go, even before man. You know what I mean? But and I, that's I, not I, to say that there there shouldn't be responsibility, obviously. No, no, for sure. For sure. But I, I don't think I, I would disagree, though, uh, with saying that we've always been at war with nature. I think that that there's still you can still find indigenous uh, populations that resemble very much what we must have been like. No, but what I'm saying is that the jungle is always trying to kill those indigenous cultures. If yes the jungle no. is trying to kill it. Yeah, yes and no. It, the, the no part I think comes from like let's say let's say again like something like you go down to Peru and go to like an ayahuasca retreat or something like that. Right? And and you, you kind of see how how people who let's say have found something in the jungle in the form of this incredibly strange plant. I mean, it's very odd because at the end of the day, it's like there's no human fuckery with it. It's you find one plant, you mix it with the, the, the other plant that facilitates dimethyltryptamine to be released into your system. And what you end up with is like tinfoil hat wearing <laughs> or not. Like it, it sounds so strange to say, but you end up in, in a dialogue with some kind of spirit. It's a strange. It's a nature yeah. spirit or whatever, whatever that form, whatever, like, term you want to put on it's it's so odd but so profound that you kind of start realizing like oh no it's us it's us seeing nature as this other like somehow it's 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 in the the human curse it's this weird like blessing curse duality thing there's so many dualities here but like the, the the blessing part comes from like man we have these humongous brains and opposable thumbs and we can do a lot of shit we can like our thumbs are the shit yeah, and we can we can materialize like we can actually bring into this 
world we can bring our imagination out into it pretty well by this point you know like like it's 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 an astounding thing if you really like think about it it's very trippy to think that there's this odd species walking around on this earth that <laughs> have a, an idea like this this immaterial thing and by really by virtue of like an odd kind of magic alchemical process turn it into let's say an object or even the illusion of an object in the form of like a painting or whatever like it's really strange this is so yeah, odd sure but, sure but the curse, the curse part of that comes, this is the price tag. But I think that it, there are ways to start navigating our ways out of that cursed state, which is the curse is we have, we, we're so different from the things we see in nature. And we have such great brains to perceive those phenomena around us that, right. that I think that we end up in this kind of conundrum where we actually see ourselves as somehow tourists on this earth that we're, we came out of it like we that we came into the earth from somewhere else uh there's, there's a lot of talk about that right like especially amongst like conspiracy theorist types or like this idea of like and spermia and shit, yeah. people who have issues with the missing connections and evolution per se or there's a lot or even like the idea of life forms getting here to begin with like there's really yeah, yeah. no there's really no way for us to know if a life form whose planet failed some distant galaxy away were able to implant life here in some way and have it evolve in the way it has and and performed like sure there, sure yeah, yeah and you know but of course i'm not a scientist and i'll just mostly believe what i'm told or what i've read and what i've been able to deduce as true or false but well have, have you um you ever heard uh terence mckenna's stone ape theory that, yeah uh, yeah bi biologists even have still a problem like refuting it which so, so just summaries super quick to any listeners who are like, what the hell is he talking about? So, so Terrence McKenna had, had a pretty good point that it can't really be refuted. Okay, so you have primates. If you look at our closest primate relatives, we got chimps and bonobos, right? We're actually equally gene uh, genetically related to both of them. For a long time, it was believed that chimps are our closest relatives. But no, bonobos, these peace-loving hippie primates are just as well related to us. So that's why there's this weird, we are this dual creature. Like we're warlike, but we also have a great sense of connection and empathy and whatever. Like, so, so anyway, what, what McKenna was speculating on was that, you know, you have some kind of, uh, you know, common ancestor with the, with, with the chimps and bonobos that were living in the, the um, grasslands of uh, Africa at one point. And what started happening clim climatologically was that that area started drying up. And as that area started drying up, if you look at any primates out there, especially omnivorous primates who will eat, you know, they they'll look for various sources of food. They don't only eat a certain berry or a certain fruit or whatever. Right? Um, <clears throat> what they would do is they would start seeing, they would follow ungulate animals, and like these ancient forms of cows who would just leave shit, and then the shit grows psilocybin mushrooms. Now, basically, the idea being that they would, as curious omnivores, they would obviously see something that's advertising itself pretty clearly out of a cow patty, and they would experiment with it. And lo and behold, on a certain higher dose of eating quite a lot of these mushrooms, they would realize, like, holy shit, there's like, this is not just for sustenance. We're going to actually start taking this in for this experience that it brings to us. And he, his belief was this, that, because I've had, I've had mushroom trips that, I've really kind of like they they've enforced this idea because what it'll create is uh is vocalization like like you'll actually like think the language becomes very interesting on a high dose of mushrooms because you start realizing like the connections between this symbol and that symbol <laughs> and this symbol and at the end of the day lang language is just symbols like you and I sharing this this conversation right now it happens to be in English and it's made of these little words and it's yeah. small mouth noises that strung together in some kind of sentence that can be understood. It's like, Oh, that's kind of strange. I mean, you're just taking in through ear symbols, symbol after symbol after symbol. And lo and behold, there's some kind of thought there. Right. Yeah. So, so McKenna's idea simply goes that, you know, we, that was the birth of the human consciousness because it just so happened that this primate, this, this, this animal that had, quite a large brain but not a huge one yet came in contact with this very strange compound 
that now started this kind of dialogue with human beings. So then, so, so Food of the Gods, the book that Terence McKenna kind of outlines this whole thing, like he shows all these uh, examples of very, very old cave paintings in which it's very clear that there's mushroom use going on. There's like mushroom goddesses that are mushrooms growing on or whatever. And, and so basically it can't be denied that, yeah, there was some use of this back then, but those are also happen to be the first forms of art we've ever seen, you know, like, like this, this impulse towards leaving an impression. Like we, we could have, very- there, there's also this problem too, when people are looking at it where they like, they're thinking, Oh, this was a chimpanzee that I know now, like climbing around in trees. And then all of a sudden magically formed into a human where, you know, it's right. a, it's a much longer structure than, and I don't think that's the, probably the <laughs> listeners of this show probably don't have that perspective, but I think a lot of people do. Like they're like, yeah, oh, look at all these monkeys now, all of a sudden human. Whereas really, it was a bunch of different type of like humanoid ape sort of creatures that we just hadn't well, formed yeah, the yeah. size of our brain yet. And that's the point, right? Like, so some of those like cognitive processes passed on through species over time, over long fucking periods of time. Long, long periods of time. But but here's the whole thing, though. So that, that you got something like. Well, let's say you you do believe this this uh, line of thinking, which I think that is a super interesting theory at the very least, right? Where you have um, mushrooms having a say in the formulation of our consciousness and us essentially, uh, you know, over time becoming what we can now call human. Um, well, if you look at if you look at how we coexisted with nature back then for a very very long time, it seems was that we were hunting, we were gathering. And where we started running into trouble, when we started really running into trouble about possessions, such as the, the idea of this being my land, my woman, my cattle, all the shit that then rears its head in something like the Bible, where like the Bible has the commandments like, like do not covet your neighbors, and then it starts listing things. Uh-huh. And, and often people go like, Don't, do not covet your neighbor's wife. But no, no, but wife is listed in there with manservant and goat and all this stuff that's just stuff. Like it's stuff you own, right? Yeah. So it's like it's agriculture was was when we ran into that problem, which is which was possessiveness. Like somehow now you go from this this symbiosis with nature where it's like, no, it's just shared. Everyone's sharing it. You just play a part in it. To then you end up at, in a system which is no, now you have to delineate which is your area. These are your animals now. Now now it becomes this weird relationship with nature, which is now I'm going to cultivate the land. I'm going to, I'm, but but I'm going to own it. I'm I'm actually delineating borders between my place, the next dude's place, and setting a border, which somehow in in the mind of that person becomes now it's yours to do with what what you will, and then which is then the again, birth of individualistic freedoms, which in and of itself has a whole right. set of positive attributes as well. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because then fast forward to like all the way till today, which is that it's the most individualistic age of all time. I think, which again, includes the 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 freedom to be without religion if you so choose. Right. No. Well. Totally. Right. Yeah. So it is. It's weird, but that's exactly it. Is like I think that's a really good point to make, which is that. It's not again. It's it. You run into a problem in this kind of like corner that uh, whenever one says like, "Oh, this was the good outcome or bad outcome," it's like no. It's 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 funny this this kind of idea where it's like you got uh, nature somehow like people seeing nature as like being uh, uh, cruel, let's say, or like like somehow people apply these kind of terms as suggesting that or that fair nature, even some, like the nature's fair. Right, right. Well, yeah, it, but but at the end of the day, it's like it's it's funny to think that like all the shit that we've created as a species on this world, and all the kind of problems that we've run into, all this other stuff, it's all just n- manifestations of the very same nature that that we all come from. You know what I mean? Like it's it's still it, one could very well call a place like Manhattan or downtown Los Angeles. It's natural because it all still springs. Of course, like, it is. I say that. All, yeah. I, I implore that all the time. That anything that is in existence is on some, it, maybe just philosophical level, it is nature. Right, but I think the, the where it gets messy though is then when you think of how do people cope and feel about like actually have like what's their emotional feeling towards, let's say, being 
trapped inside of a city life for their whole lives, right? Like you often get the sense that when, like, this is something I find so funny because now I live on like six acres of land and I, I live in like, like bordered by forests and shit, right? So, hey, hold so on, I, ho- hold on one yeah. second. Can we take a, sure. one quick break? I just need to save this to make sure it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Time. Cool. Let me actually grab a glass of water too. Okay. Sure. One sec. All right, voila, we're back. The magic of recording magic. <laughs> All right, cool. So yeah, just just one thing I was just saying there. I'm just gonna wrap that up. But um, I was just saying about like what I find to be peculiar is like you you got somebody who uh, let's say lives in New York or some other like metropolis, and their idea of a vacation is often just simply going camping, like just getting in nature, like like you know it, you know some people certainly lean towards like just going to places where they can have a spa and sit poolside and all this shit but, uh-huh. but a lot of people are like no their idea of a of of relaxing finding peace with themselves and shit is just to go where there's just it's just nature there there's something to that man like like that that yeah we were just saying about how like even something like a city on some level is just a natural manifestation but who's to say it's not kind of like the just as natural as cancer like something like that <laughs> yeah that has just kind of grown yes it's cancer is still natural but it, is it necessarily a beneficial thing to its host i, I don't know or the it, like like you know somebody dwelling inside of that cancerous system it's like there's there's a reason why a lot of people feel unease and it's not just because they're paying crazy rent or whatever it happens to be it's like i don't think we're supposed to be jam-packed on top of each other next to each other on like such a scale you you know at the end of the day if you think of any animals living in any tribes or herds even it's like it's it's you don't get those kind of concentrations of animals all having to coexist around each other you know what i mean so that might be a good point so like i i find that in your work a lot um i i wrote down the word last breath and I, 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 mm. I wrote that for it. I get that sense in like maybe it was a particular series, but uh, uh, the number of works that I looked at, and you know, there, there's a span of work, but there was a particular set maybe around the same time that mm. <clears throat> all had um, animals that seemed to be either just at the moment of death, like a recent death, or right. in the process of dying. And it seemed to be more analogous towards human experience. Because it seems yeah. to be in a lot of the other works, um, there it, it seems to be a post-human experience. Yeah, um, and, and is, is that like a a human end times? I, I know. I think you did a piece that was specifically about the like uh, apocalyptic sort of uh, mythos that's popular amongst religious cultures. Yeah, no, for sure. In fact, yeah, I had a well, yeah. So that series was called the Passions, and it was all um, all the paintings in that. Uh, explored the idea of martyrdom and so i was looking at actually old paintings that uh old paintings or sculptures that featured that topic because it's been something that's popped up many many times through art history but but art history is simply also a matter of human history because art has always served as a mirror to the times that they're being created and so it's funny to bring up real quick it's funny to bring up martyrdom when we were talking about outrage culture because there seems to be (laughs) some connection to that Obviously no, no, not sure. a life and death type of thing, but a like, right. look, I'm the one willing to uh, speak out against this thing as a way to uh, show my loyalty to a cause. Sometimes right, right, right. even beyond uh, the actual altruistic uh, ideals behind whatever that thing is. And even sometimes but, yeah. to a monetized extent. Such and, like the well, Huffington and, Post or something like that. Right, right. But but the difference between that and let's say like true martyrdom being that no, they're doing it from the comfort of a Starbucks in front of their like iMac. It's or two their, very their Mac laptop, you know what I'm saying? It's two like, very it's different like, ends like, of the spectrum, but I think yeah, the same totally. mentality maybe a little bit. The same mentality, which is still like I wanna stand up for this and like raise my raise my uh, proverbial shield in defense of this or that thing right but often often it just comes off as shrill because it's not a nuanced viewpoint it's not saying that look maybe this whole battle that's going on here is is silly to be having a battle over let's and why don't we like re-perceive it as as just uh no how about we all get together for tea and exchange opinions we might differ on the opinions but how about approaching it from that standpoint rather than so much of that kind of dialogue that comes out of those kind of uh, d- down those kind of pipelines is is very just kind of it's vitriolic and like very like like 
ad hominem, like going after and the You person. know, sometimes I think it has a, an even worse effect. Even though I just tried to get us to talk about your art, I think we're still going to go back to <laughs> I think, we'll, like, we'll for instance, like, the more people say somebody is held down and incapable of achieving certain things, I feel like the more a certain group is going to believe those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, totally. So in, in essence, and it, it gets me back to this story that always is like a reoccurring theme on the show and a reoccurring theme in my life even is this idea that sometimes when we think we're helping, we're actually harming people. And we see it, um, uh, for instance, with minimum wage. Like I started listening to a bunch of like economists right. talk about minimum wage and how the hike in minimum wage, although it seems like there's obviously a cost of living that has raised, risen so high and an inflation to our dollar that has made the cost of things so crazy that it would seem like a, a hike in the minimum wage would help a, a general population. Whereas mm. in terms you end up seeing it hurting small business who is really important to the economics of a small, of a society. Uh, it yeah. ends up hurting a lot of people who, uh, who barely, are, you know, low education and have jobs that are kind of like the manual labor type jobs. Those people yeah, end yeah. up getting forced out of the job market and into a state-run welfare system through no fault of their own, but through the fact right, right, that right. The, the the jobs that were available to them, not only the everything being mechanized now or computerized, like mm -hmm. these jobs that are uh, people who low education or you know even just a high school education, right? Who maybe there's no factory work, right? Right. So right, right. like. All these people are are actually being harmed by this thing, and I'm reminded there's a a Buddhist story that I, I tell a lot on the podcast, and it's a guy who's walking by a cocoon, and he sees a moth who's struggling to get out of the cocoon, and he thinks, oh, I'm going to help this cocoon, I'm going to help this moth get out of the cocoon, that way it doesn't have to struggle and can fly and be a moth, right? So he goes up to the right. cocoon, and with his little knife, he slits a hole in the cocoon, and the moth slithers out. And its wings are all deformed, and its body seems like it's not shaped properly. And he's wondering, like, why aren't you getting up and flying away? And what he didn't know was that inadvertently by helping it, he stopped the process of its struggle, which it needed to right, right. get the blood into its wings to, to right. be able to fly once it finally struggled out of the cocoon. And now yeah, that's yeah. not to say that people don't need help, because clearly we all need help on some level at some point in our lives. Right, right. But – Sometimes by this idea of being outraged by something or, or or even turning something that may be a socioeconomic issue into just racism sometimes yeah, inadvertently yeah, right. hurts the actual problem and causes and effects of that particular issue and gets us off of, of into some other path that end up ends up in essence hurting the original problem and making it grow. And we see that same thing like in the Middle East even like our well, yeah our, yeah our That's policies the there yeah i think I, this is just my my thought on it but i don't really know how much truth there is to it but my intuition tells me that the the only way that people will elevate in a way like get elevated from any kind of situation that they find themselves in is if they themselves see the way out you know and yeah. and but 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 that said, so the way help can arrive from an outside source is for that perspective to be shown to them in a way like like that the whole idea of like you know you know give a man um, a fish and he'll eat for a day or give him a <laughs> yeah, fishing yeah. rod and he'll eat for a lifetime or teach him how to fish rather right yeah. so it's the idea of like like I just think that that's why it's super important that that we find a way for people to have access to good education, good information, um, just, just the, just even being shown the potential that they could have if they were able to pursue or, or not even just able to, but, but had the kind of, uh, knowledge as to how to pursue something that they're really drawn to be doing. And that's right? so, what it takes. So, we need mentors. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's the thing is now, again, I, I just feel like so long as people have the, way shown to them in some way via like the, again the internet does come to mind because i i was just talking with a good friend of mine today because we're we're building something up here up at my place because i have a, a barn that i live and work out of but then i have this house that that we're currently renovating basically from ground up we like we've uh 
demolish the inside and just basically building it from from nothing to something pretty cool and what we have in mind is is to eventually have this be a kind of a hub where like you know esalen and big sur do you know what that is it's like a it's a it's a uh it's it's this kind of it's been around for a very long time like through i think from the 50s onwards or something but it was it's a lecture center in big sur uh-huh. that a lot of people would come to like uh alan watts went there terence mckenna went there joseph campbell was there like, like it's, it's this place where where people would um would gather to hear people it's kind of like a retreat yeah exactly but it it, but it has a like it has these hot springs and stuff and people Uh stay there and you know just enjoy it but but it's esalen is is kind of this this think tanky kind of a place where people come to sit through a workshop over a weekend or whatever and so we're kind of thinking along the same lines uh about that and and but what we were just kind of discussing we just went for a run and we're kind of discussing like the the potential of this thing would be like you know, if we can get if we can get the right kind of people up here and all kind of sharing this kind of idea of like like elevation of individuals who are exposed to it. So so we started thinking of the TED model. Like you you know, you got those TED talks. Well, it costs something like fucking seven thousand dollars to go to a TED conference. And I think you have to be invited and stuff, and it's like crazy. But but every TED talk is published for for free for everybody. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that let's say there's some kid who's growing up in a certain uh, environment that that seems hopeless, right? Well, what if that kid has, shows a knack for something like some kind of just like in a, 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 a he or she is drawn towards some kind of skill, something, something that they're just in, almost intuitively drawn towards. Well, if they had the right mentor, like just somebody who could see that in them, they'd be like, oh, there's a TED Talk you should watch. They watch that TED Talk and they go, holy shit, look at that person's story and look look at what they've done with something similar related to what I'm doing. Or in the case of what we want to set up here would be a lot of like artist workshops and stuff, but not just technique-based. We want to get the ideas out of people and like do like webcasts and stuff where people who are coming up, they're more in the... Whereas TED is more innovation, it's it's a wide range of topics, but I think what yeah. we want to kind of address here is art, but also like art tied in with with affecting ideas getting out there. So we're gonna have like like people who are involved with the psychedelic world, like shamanism, all that kind of stuff. Like I want to bring that element in as well, so the two kind of meeting together because art, in my mind, is a shamanic act. I think art, no matter what form it takes, shamanism is is simply at the end of the day the idea of going out into the into the space that's not material bringing something back and sharing with people that's that's really like the simple um uh definition of it so so what I, what i just mean by by all that is that the more i think we get this kind of information or this kind of exchange out there to people i think that that's to return to your original point it's like to help people i think it's just a matter of them being exposed to something that can help them see a way out of 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 their whatever situation they find themselves in or to elevate them on a spiritual or personal level whatever form that takes like it's it's so often when you think of like let's say uh like inner city kids well their way out seems to be just primarily sports like if they're good at basketball hey maybe you'll get a scholarship at this or that college but but like i was just listening to uh brian callen and brendan schaub yesterday on the fighter and the kid uh, this other podcast um and what they said and brendan schaub kept stressing he's like he had a good way of putting it i thought it was pretty funny he goes like look when it comes to like professional sports like ncaa stuff where they're not those kids aren't getting paid their their fucking colleges are making insane money on those Uh kids but at the end of the day he's like not all dogs go to heaven. And he meant like not all players who play in the NCAA, they're not going to go on to the NBA. They, yeah, they get a quote unquote free education. But they didn't learn shit because they spent the whole time training, playing, making money for the college. But they themselves are like, hey, hey you know what? What do I do after this? Like, so, so I, the, the thing is, I don't feel like that's like, yes, maybe that's helping some people get out of those kind of scenarios and whatever. But like, I'm hoping that down the line, all these boundaries start getting shed where it's like you happen to believe, uh, belong to this, let's say, cultural group. Hence, you're only privy to this experience. I think yeah. that that's nonsensical, you know? Uh, if, if you're asking me to join your cult, the answer is yes. 
<laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm starting to take applications. So it's good. <laughs> well, hey, <laughs> let's wrap this thing up. It looks like GarageBand mm. is trying to take a shit on me at any moment. It's moving all slow as fuck. Okay, cool, um, cool, cool. Let's do internet dap so that it's real life. Nice. You know, internet Blame. boom. Um, <laughs> where can people find you on the interwebs and your Instagrams and etc.? Okay, Instagram is easy. It was uh, some weird... Um, I don't know how I even came up with his name, but I've just stuck to it for like a long, long time. It's at Mars Project is my Instagram. Um, I use Instagram and Facebook pretty much. I don't use Twitter much at all, but like those are two. Um, so you find me on Facebook, just Martin Whitfoot. Um, I have like an artist page that you can just follow. I tend to just post. I haven't been posting much on either recently. So it's just because I have the show coming up and I'm kind of respecting not leaking too much ahead of time. But yeah. I think in the next couple of months, a lot more is going to come out. And then I would say my my um, website's the best way to go about it because I have a mailing list there. And it's the one way that whenever there's updates and shit coming up, um, I tend to shoot out uh, an email via my ma- mailing list. So if you just go to the contact form on my website, you can just sign on to that from there. Uh, Let's get more artists on Twitter. Will you start using Twitter? There's Visual I, artists I, barely ever use it. Like They have just, like 40,000 followers on Instagram. And then, and like, a hundred yeah. on Twitter. Well, the only way... We that need I've more really of a presence. It, yeah, yeah. I think the only the only uh, way I've been using it has been, like, linking <clears throat> an image I'm posting on Instagram to Twitter and yeah. then Facebook, whatever. You uh, should do some Periscope. Are you on the Periscope yet? No, I heard, I've heard about it. I don't it's know through it Twitter. Is, you could do some little, oh, really? like, live painting, like, just, like, a detail part of something. That oh, that would be right. Okay, cool. I just, like, I'm trying to, I, you know, I'm trying to keep it so limited, though, so I don't end up, like, having too many things dinging at me and, like, notifying all. me about shit. Do you know? <laughs> ding, da ding, da ding. Nice. All right, brother. Well, but, uh, I want to I thank you again for taking the time to shoot the shit with us. Uh, you got your show coming up, uh, Jonathan Levine. Yeah, uh, October 17th. October 17th is the opening for that. Um, that would be the next thing. The other thing doesn't bear mentioning yet because it's like two and a half years in the future. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, the, the Levine show. So if anyone's in New York in uh, late October, come to the show. That would be cool. Okay. So when Dude. you need a podcaster in the cult, just send me a plane ticket and I'll be, <laughs> I'll be on my way to the uh, oh, well, for sure. to the woods in nice. New York. Nice. All right, brother. Thanks, Thank you again. Really it was nice it. talking with you. Yeah, you too. Bye, All right, brother. Bye. Later. Bye. All right, so that was my chat with Mr. Martin Whitfoot, uh, rad guy. I've been following his work for so long; it's it's cool to uh, to get to have that chat with him. Um, interesting dude. It seems like we could have talked for a lot longer. I feel bad having to cut him off there uh, at the end again. My uh, my garage band was like it was moving in slow motion. I could tell. So sometimes when you record these things, you have to like be very careful about all the technical stuff. Um, and that was one of the things once it gets to like the like hour and a half mark garage band just wants to die. And if it freezes and, um, crashes, it doesn't auto save. And so you lose everything that you recorded. Um, so maybe we'll have him back on sometime. I know he was doing a podcast for a while. I don't know. I don't think he's doing it anymore or not. I'm not sure. Um, I haven't seen him put anything out in a while, but maybe he will when uh, he gets his cult all put together, which I hope to join. And then maybe I'll join the podcast team. Um, so thanks again to SohoDesignHouse.com for sponsoring this episode. You can follow them on Instagram at S-O-H-O-D-H. Uh, you could also check out their website, SohoDesignHouse.com or S-O-H-O-D-H.com. Uh, thanks again to them. They're making rad products and helping support the show and get new episodes out to you uh, as quickly as possible. So I hope you guys are enjoying them. Um, I will be trying to record some new episodes this week. I don't have anything in the pan or in the in the tin, in the can, or whatever the phrase is. Uh, but I should get some recordings done by the end of the week and have some stuff for next week. So uh, thanks again for listening. If you guys want to donate to the podcast, you can do that. Go to MikeMaxWart.com, click on the podcast, and hit the PayPal link and drop a little dough and be a sponsor of the show. Um, thanks again, guys. Uh, follow me at Mike Maxwell art on all the shit and go follow Martin. He's at Mars project on Instagram. Tell him the podcast sent you. All right, guys. Uh, thanks again for listening and I will talk to you next week. Kisses.
Get on your horse and ride. Get on your horse.